Psalm 45. Just want to read a few verses here. Maybe say a few things if the Lord will help us. It's a very sober and solemn atmosphere in the house of God tonight. Very sensitive atmosphere. I think the Lord is wanting to help His people. I know He is in these days. So many things overwhelm us and I think the last song we sung tonight is very fitting for the hour. And uh, there's so many things that seem to overwhelm and overtake the people of God. We're not the first ones that have ever experienced these feelings that we have in these days. I know that many people say, well, it's the last days and nobody's ever been exactly in the time or place where we are and parts of that may be true but we're not experiencing anything, any feelings, any fears. The people of God that came before us have not felt themselves. We've not gone through any storms that the Lord's not already proven Himself able to deliver out of. The disciples, I thought about them on board the ship when they were afraid that they were going to perish. And I think that that's probably the mindset and the fear of many of the people of God in these last days. Not necessarily physical perishing, but there's a despair and despondency of the heart, the fear of perishing inwardly. I'm glad the Lord, who had power over their storm physically, has power over our spiritual storms and struggles and battles that we're in. I think in these days it do our hearts good to be reminded of some things about who God is and what He's able to do. God began to deal with my heart in the last couple of days. I was unsure about the service and what to do tonight, and I don't know how much preaching I'll do. But I want to read some verses here. In Psalm 45, verse 1, he said, My heart is indicted in a good matter. Now, that word indicted means to boil or to bubble up. The psalmist is not speaking from his mind or just giving some thoughts, but he's speaking from the heart. His heart is overflowing concerning what he's fixing to write about. He said, My heart is indicted in a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Now this is a messianic psalm. He's writing about the Lord. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth 
and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. I thought about these verses here and about how the writer, under the inspiration of the Lord, is writing about Jesus Christ. This is a prophetic psalm about the the reigning and the kingdom of righteousness which the Lord will set up and rule over. There are pictures painted in Psalm 45 that we find in the book of the Revelation. We find about his, his sword in verse number 3 girded upon his thigh, him being high in glory and majesty. We find about the arrows being sharp in the hearts of the enemies and people falling under him. We find about the fact that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, that there's none like unto him. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews, I I personally think it's Paul, it really doesn't matter, I don't guess, but the writer of Hebrews borrows from verse number 6 and uses it in Hebrews chapter 1 when he's painting the picture of the Lord being superior above all others. I began to think about it and began to read about what some other men had said. And I'm just going to bear my heart tonight. I don't know what gear I'll get in, but I'll just be in the gear the Lord puts me in tonight. But I thought about and began to study and read. And I read something that Spurgeon said about this psalm and about the relating to Hebrews chapter 1 and about the glory of the Lord. That's what the psalmist is focusing on here is his glory and his majesty and his power. That's what the writer of Hebrews focuses on in chapter number 1. He paints the picture of the glory and the majesty and the power of Christ but before he goes into all the earthly things and fulfillments that Christ did for us when he came to where we were. And Spurgeon said something like this. He said until we see the Lord in his glory we can never fully appreciate what he did on earth as a fleshly man. In other words, we can't have a deep appreciation of just how much he condescended to come to where you and I are. That the God of heaven would step out of eternity and into time so that you and I, as the preacher said, could step out of time and into eternity. Paul put it like this. We know the grace of God. That though he was rich, yet he became poor for our sakes that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. That he stepped off the right hand of the majesty. That's what the Bible calls it in the book of Hebrews as the writer there is trying to persuade the Hebrew believers they had to understand that they had a great understanding of the law they had a great and a deep love and respect for the ordinances and the ceremonies and the men that God had ordained in the Old Testament 
Testament and many of them because of persecution and because of the threats and returning and going back into Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is persuading them under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that what they have in Christ is far better than anything that ever came from under the law. And so he always exalts Christ a great and mighty in the book of Hebrews and he talks about how that he is a greater high priest than those of the Old Testament he entered in once into a holy place having obtained eternal redemption for you and I and then he ascended back to the Father and the Bible said he sat down on the right hand of the majesty of which he is on high and so if you and I would ever get a grasp of just who God is and where he is and his power and his majesty and his glory I think it would help us in these last days to realize that God's still able to do what he's always been able to do I began to think about this verse number 6 where the writer says thy throne O God is forever and ever I remember growing up and uh, I've said it many times in my ministry and many da- times in these last days. The phrase has been mentioned that he's still on the throne. And I began to ponder on that and the Holy Ghost got to working on my heart that he's still on the throne. The writer said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 8 it says, But unto the Son he saith, S-O-N, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so it is established. There's no change. There's no fading away. There's no vote. It doesn't matter what the popular opinion is. God's throne is forever and ever. And not just his throne, but the one that sits there is forever and ever. And so I think that I've used the phrase many times in my ministry, many times in my life, and probably you have and probably heard it many times, but what does it mean for us to say, I don't want it just to be an idle phrase. You know, we look around at the days and we try to get some comfort and some consolation, and so we say he's still on the throne, and he is, and I'm glad for that. But what does that mean for us as the people of God? Why is there a comfort? Why is there a consolation in the fact that God is still on the throne? What does the throne speak of? Well, first of all, it speaks of his position, that he is high above everything, that he is the word we use in our English language is that he is superior. There is none like him. The Bible said there's none like unto the Lord. No, not one. He asked in Isaiah's day, he said, who will you liken me? Or compare me that we may be equal? And the answer is nobody. There is nobody like the Lord. Nobody. In the book of Deuteronomy, I thought about, I preached the other night there in the watch night service and I preached from Deuteronomy chapter 32 I think it was where Moses is going off the scene and one of Moses' last words he said there's none like unto our God and there's not 
Now, I'm going to tell you tonight, there ain't no, I know I preach that night and I, I just preached in my style. I don't know anyhow else to be. And I said, I know it's probably not proper English, but there ain't nobody like him. But there is nobody like God. But nobody even comes close to comparing. But no religious leader, no good person, but no king, no priest, no lord. But they've been plenty of kings and plenty of lords. But the Bible said he's the king of kings. I'm the Lord of Lords. He is superior in position above everybody and everything else. It doesn't matter. And I'm not belittling your condition. I'm not belittling the state that our nation's in. I know we're in a mess. I know it's hard days. I'm not belittling any of that. I know it's a reality. I know there's sicknesses and there's storms and there's trouble, but it doesn't matter what Washington does. God's still on the throne. It doesn't matter how many laws they pass. Or that one day if we were to come by the church house and pull in on a Sunday morning and there's boards on the doors and chains on the doors and a note that said it's unlawful for you to assemble here anymore. Guess what? Won't change the fact that God's still on the throne. Should we have to go and hide and gather in barns or in each other's houses? It won't change the fact that God is still on the throne. Amen, All this we have here, everything we see is temporary, but His throne's forever. I get in my car tonight, and I don't want to die. It's not natural. Nobody wants to die. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go, and I know I am, and there's peace in that. I was praying tonight, and it come to my heart to pray and to thank God for peace. I'm glad the Bible speaks about two pieces. There's the peace of God, and it passes all understanding. Then there's peace with God. I'm glad I've experienced both. I'm glad I've been a recipient of both, the peace of God and the peace with God, and the peace of God rules in my heart when things are beyond explanation when I can't find an answer I'm glad there's peace of God the peace with God's what makes me in harmony and fellowship with him through the blood of his son Jesus Christ that's where peace with God comes I'm glad for it if I was to get in my car tonight and not make it to the house and y'all convened for service on Sunday and I wasn't here Guess what? It wouldn't change the fact God will still be on His throne. He'll still be in power. Oh, there may be days our hearts are breaking. There may be days we don't understand, but He's still on the throne. There may be days we don't even know what to pray. I'm glad He made provision for that in His Word too. That the Spirit itself maketh intercession for groanings which cannot be uttered. I'm glad He can take what's inside and interpret it to the Father when we don't even know what to pray. He prays for us. He's the intercessor. That's where his his position is. He's on the right hand of the majesty on high. That is the go-to, the right hand. Always speaks of strength and always speaks of power. I'm going to tell you about the throne. It just don't speak of his position, but it speaks of his power. He has all power in heaven and earth. There's nothing impossible for him to do tonight. No matter what we go through, and I don't say that without care. I do care about what you go through, but it doesn't matter. God's power is available. God's power is able to get us through. They wondered about the storm. 
Uh, but he arose. They said, we're going to die. Uh, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the Bible said, uh, they marveled and said one to another, what manner of man is this? Uh, that even the wind and sea obey his voice. That never met anybody with power like him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You go home and read the scriptures. They had seen his power before. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him heal the sick. And nobody else had that kind of power. They had seen him give sight to the blind. And nobody else could do that. They had seen him walk by and touch the dead and then sit up in the bed. Nobody else had power like that. You say, what was the difference? Well, on that day, it was their storm. It was their trouble. Oh, it's easy to look at everybody else when they're going through a storm and everything's good in our life and say, just take comfort. God's still on the throne. But I'm going to tell you, child of God, when it hits in your life, Oh, when the storm rocks your boat, oh, when the water fills your vessel, I'm glad it's still the same God that delivered them that can deliver you. He has power. Speaks of his sovereignty. You don't have to let that word scare you. The word sovereign just means that he don't answer to anybody. He don't have to get anybody's permission to do what he wants to do. I'm going to tell you something about God. He can do what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, with who he wants to, where he wants to. He don't have to ask anybody's permission. He's that kind of God. He didn't have to stop and ask somebody's permission to command the light to come. He didn't have to stop and ask somebody's permission to divide the waters from the dry land. He didn't have to stop and ask if the name sea was okay and the name earth was okay. He didn't have to stop and take inventory of what everybody else thought. He was God. He commanded to be so. And when he got done, he said, it's very good. He didn't take a pole in heaven and say, what do you think? He said, I'm God. I made it and it's good. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I sure am glad. See, if we had to phone into Washington tonight for trouble that we're in and say we need some help, even if they could help, they couldn't get organized enough to get to us on time. They'd have to take everybody's opinion and meet about 45 times in about 20 different groups before they could ever agree it. They could agree to come where we are. But I'm glad God don't answer to nobody. He don't have to take no poll. He don't have to take no vote. He just does what he wants to do. And guess what? What he does is always right. And it's always on time. He ain't never messed up. He ain't never made a mistake. He ain't never had to back up and go to plan B. Or somebody said God went to plan B in the Garden of Eden. Did no such thing. A preacher handed me he said before God ever said good morning to Adam in the Garden of Eden. A counter was already done in the mind of God. That's the kind of God we serve. The Bible said He saw the end from the beginning. Oh, I can't understand it and neither can you. But if the Holy Ghost will just give us a little more insight about the fact that there may be a storm coming tomorrow for me and there may be one coming for you. And there may be trouble. And I'm not being a bearer of bad news and trying to preach doom and gloom and depression. But there may be a storm brewing on the horizon. Guess what? I don't know about it. But guess what? God does. He knows before it ever gets here and He's already making a way to bring us through. Before the storm ever comes, he's already got a way to get you through. 
And he don't abandon his own. He never does. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never shake you. That's his presence. I'm glad for his presence tonight. Or sometimes it's just his abiding presence. Or sometimes it's his manifested presence. Or we call it, it's called in the Old Testament, or the Shekinah glory. Or when God in majesty and power, or to think that the God of heaven or that had enough power to speak light out of darkness, or gather together the seas when the world don't seize, or make dry land appear when there's nothing there, or the same God with the same power or can fix the trouble in your life tonight. He's still on the throne. He's still on the throne. Now I'm going to tell you something What about the throne. And I'm done tonight as far as I know. These are the three things God put in my heart. Is that His throne speaks of His position. He's superior to all the rest. His throne speaks of His power. He's sovereign. He can do what He wants to and He can help you tonight regardless of what you're going through. But I sure am glad that His throne speaks of a people. There's no throne without a kingdom. And there's no kingdom without a people. I'm glad to be a part of the people. I don't know why He'd look down in love on somebody like me and make me a son of God. But I am one tonight. Not because of what I've done, but because of what He did. The Bible said here in love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for us. He was our substitute. He was our mediator. He was our go-between. He was the one to satisfy the wrath of God. And it said, beloved, now that we are the sons of God. We're His people. We're His people. If you're saved tonight, you're a part of the people of God. And I'm going to tell you something about the people of God. And I said it in the watch night service and I feel compelled to say it again tonight. And I didn't preach from this Scripture, but something along these lines. The people of God are the best people I know of. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather be with than to be with the people of God. They'll love you when you're hurting, pray for you when you need praying for. They'll call your name out to God. It was mentioned tonight when we was opening up and get taking prayer requests. I'm glad. And I know, and I know they're hypocrites. There's hypocrites in every bunch. Don't let that stand out to you. Don't let that worry you. Don't let that bother you. Focus on the true people of God. There's nobody like them in all the earth. What Moses said, he said, there's none like to God. Then he went on in the last verse and he said, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord? Now, ain't nobody like the people of God. I'm going to tell you, there ain't. We can focus on all the bad. I know everything ain't right. I know everything, you know, in the, in the world today, in the church, some things could be straightened out and we tend to focus on that all the time. But if we'll see as God sees and we'll look at what God looks at, how He loves us and cares about us and gave everything to redeem Himself, a peculiar people, that's what come to my heart today when I thought about the people of God, is that we're set apart, we're different, but we're separated unto Him. What he, brought, what he brought to my heart, what the Holy Ghost said, and I'm done. He said, you are my people because of me, not because of you. See, we rejoice because of Him. We're not different because of us. We're not separated because of us. 
We're not set apart because of anything we've done or anything in us, but it's all because of him. It all goes back to the throne. You know why that uh, 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 the people of God uh, ruled under David and why uh, they were called the people of Israel because of the throne, because of the kingdom that God had set up. And the reason that you and I are the people of God is because there's a throne in heaven where our God sits there and we're a part of the kingdom. We're a part of his people. And I want to tell you tonight, he's still on the throne. You say, but preacher, you don't know. I may not. And I am not belittling your circumstances. I may not know. And even if I did know, I may not understand. I'll try to help you any way I can. The Lord knows my heart and you do too. I love each and every one of you and I'd help you in any way I can. But there's going to come a day that I can't help you. There's going to be circumstances and situations that I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you Scripture. I can tell you what the Bible said. But you're going to have to look to the one that sits on the throne. There'll never be a time he can't help you. There'll never be a situation he can't bring you through. I'm glad he's mindful of us. He don't forget us. Oh, I'm glad of that. We don't slip his mind. My memory's bad. I'm 32 years old. My memory's bad. If I live, if the Lord tears is coming and I live to be much older, it's going to get real bad. I, I forget everything. I'm glad the Lord's not like that. You know, forgetting is a flaw. God don't forget anything. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I thought He forgot our sins. No. He just chose not to remember them anymore. He's big enough to do that. He's big enough to say, I'll not remember that. He didn't forget them. That's a flaw. God don't forget. But he cast them behind his back. And he said, their sins, go home and read it. He said, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. That's what the Bible said. He didn't say I forgot them. He just chose not to remember them. That's the kind of power our God has. Boy, there's some things I wish I could choose not to remember. If we could understand and just grasp the little things about how powerful our God is. There's some things in my life and you say, preacher, you ought not to say something. Well, I mean, we just might as well be honest. I grew up and I listened to some music and, and that's why I preach sometimes if God tells me to to these, these young people and I preach to my girls and, and to your children and grandchildren, you better be careful what you allow in. Once it's in, it's like a trap and it never goes out. Growing up, I listened to stuff I wish I hadn't listened to. And by the world's standards today, they wouldn't say that it was awful things, really bad things, but it's just not glorifying God. And still yet to this day, I can walk, me and my wife were talking about it last night, walk into a store and even just the music be playing faintly over the speakers in the ceiling and all them words come rushing back. I didn't want to remember them. I didn't have no choice. They just come right back. It's because I don't have power. We don't have power like God does, but He has the power not to remember anymore. And that's what He did for your sins and mine. Even though we deserve for them to be brought up, even though we deserve the punishment, even though we deserve hell, and we deserve the wrath of God because of Christ and because of His power, He chooses not to remember them anymore. And I'm going to tell you, that same God that has that power has the power to get you out of your storm, has the power to ride it out with you 
has the power to bring you out safely on the other side. See, we go to pray and we say, Lord, will you get me out of this storm? And we pray. what we're praying is, Lord, make it over now. That may not be the will of God, but He has the power to let you go through it and come out better on the other end than you did going in. Oh, we look at things and we feel like Nathaniel when they come to him and said, come and meet a Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Boy, there have been some things in my life I've looked at them and thought, Lord, can any good thing come out of this? But Paul said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You say, what does that really mean, preacher? It means that God has the power to work out what don't look good for your good and for His glory in the end. Now, I just wanted to tell you tonight, and I know it's just been simple and short to the point, but He's still on the throne. Now, I want to say that in cliche. I want you to take it just like it's something we say, but I want it to stir in our hearts about what it means to us as the people of God in these last days to know that our God is still on the throne. His position still above everything. His power still to where it can do anything. And we're His people. We're the apple of His eye. The one He loves. And He'll do anything for us. And can do anything for us. Thank God for our God tonight. There's none like unto Him. Father, I thank You, Lord, tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to have been able to be in Your house with Your people. I know, Lord, it's not been much on my part, just a few scattered words, but I've tried my best, Lord, to give what You've put on my